0: So uh, rather than uh, me introducing um, Bex to you, um, I'll uh, allow Bex to introduce herself and uh, share a little bit with you about why we've asked her to be our kind of star panellist for this evening.
1: Hi everyone, thanks for joining. Um, So I have been online for over 20 years, I first got pushed into doing it. Uh, when I was doing my PhD Um, if you're sick of keep calm and carry on uh, I wrote about that as part of my PhD Um, and if you want to know the true story of that written about that too Um, and my first ever website was to take a uh, word document and press save as website Uh, so we all had to start somewhere Um, 20 years later I now teach digital marketing at Manchester Metropolitan uh, University Um, And I've just been recently been described as a writer and commentator on technology and its interface with faith and life. Um, I ran the Big Bible Project at the University of Durham for about five years. Um, And when this pandemic broke out, I was in New Zealand, uh, supposed to be having some rest, relaxation and writing time. Uh, managed to get a flight back and other small factors that I'm living with, incurable cancer which has made me even more passionate about using digital to engage with our whole life.
0: Thanks. Um, so then, as you say, you were in New Zealand when all of this, uh, this kicked off and um, it's been nearly four months since the UK went into lockdown and uh, It's kind of at that point that churches suddenly seem to discover, and perhaps I don't know, perhaps that's not fair, but churches suddenly seem to discover that there was actually an online world out there that they could engage with. But I don't know, from your point of view, do you think the world's really changed when it comes to digital communication?
1: Um, I'm, I mean, having trained as a historian originally, the world's always changing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, maybe not in quite such revolutionary ways as the digital has made it and the way that Covid has entirely pushed us into something else. Um, we've seen lots of different new types of technology and we have to remember that most types of technology have been new media at some point. Even writing, telephone, telegraph, they've all been new at some point. Mm. So um, it's all about sort of finding the need to use the technology. What's pushing us into using it, um, and remembering that we're not all going to use it in the same way. And when people talk about digital, or even when people talk about social media, we have to remember that's a collection of things. So social media, Facebook is not the same as Twitter. Is not the same as Pinterest. Is not the same as Instagram. They all do something a bit different. Um, so the way we can connect with each other changes i think i think the explanation i quite often think about is um different technologies have different shapes so um say say if you had a brick there's certain things you can do with the brick there's some things you can do and there's some things you can't do but you can choose whether to use it to build a building or to throw it through a, a window and a lot of technology has things like that Um so whilst i was out in new zealand heidi gamble who writes is one of the best known people writing about digital religion said could we write her a, chap- a book chapter in two weeks because she wanted it out in April she wanted to be able to help people who were suddenly finding their having to put their churches online didn't know what to do um there's been a lot going on people have been re- researching this for 10 20 years Uh, The Premier Digital Conference has been going since 2010, I think I first went to it. Um, I think that was the first year we had it. Um, So there's been a lot of conversation going on there. I've judged the digital awards for Premier for the last four or five years and the quality has got better and better and better of of websites that people are doing. But I think quite a lot of the time we're still stuck with the idea that we do religion online so we take what we're already doing and try and do it online
0: i wanted to ask you about that because um as you say the premier digital awards have been around for a long time i can remember going uh, many years ago now to, to be part of that Do you, would you draw, draw a distinct line between churches now who are taking their churches online and online church
1: yeah i think i think it's a so i think if you're just doing exactly what you did before and putting it online, you're really doing uh, religion online. Um, You're not really thinking about what the digital can do differently from what we might do sat in a building or what we might do elsewhere. Mm. Um, So if we just take services online and do them exactly the same way, we're not doing a huge amount different. There's something valid in doing that. But, you know, the the technology, we can do a lot more real-time, a lot more interactive. And um, we can go beyond the kind of just talking at people. I know we're kind of doing a conversation. So that's part of it. If we really want to do, we could bring everyone else in. Um, but that's not how we've chosen to do it because it doesn't work for what we're doing tonight. Um, so um, I think digital and social media gives us the opportunity to do things a lot more outside of what quite often is just seen as Sunday. I mean, you guys must get so filled up with people going, oh, well, you only work one day a week. Um, So people already don't know that you're doing all this stuff but actually all this other stuff could be done in a digital format Um, and I think part of my I think it's becoming quite clear that it's going to be a long time before we're going to be able to go back into churches in the way we did before um you know all the problems with the singing and everything um So I think it's really good to think about how do we experiment with different things? How do we kind of look at what we're doing and think, why are we doing this? What purpose does it have? How does it help us? Is there something digital that could help us do it better? Because if we're so busy doing what we've already done, but trying to learn a new platform, we're not looking for completely new opportunities.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah. And, and, And so kind of like, as we think about kind of going forward you know and already people are starting talking about a phrase about when we come out of this you know what do you think that kind of digital platform opportunities add to that conversation
1: um, it just, it's just thinking about what can we hold on to i mean i'm probably jumping to a bit where we've got further down as well but i'm thinking as someone who's really struggled to go to church in a physical format for the last two or three years so i got diagnosed with cancer in 2007 and then just after I thought I'd finished my treatment, I got diagnosed as incurable cancer. I have massive fatigue. I struggle to get out of bed in the morning. Um, and then you've got to make that effort to go to a church when you're not really settled in one. Um, ever since we come back from New Zealand, I've really enjoyed, I go to the little URC church, uh, Leventube Inspire. Um, and it's small enough that we can have a Zoom and see everyone on the panel at one time. Um, but that means that probably when the physical church starts up again, I'll have got myself into that community and it'd be much easier to go. Um, and I think part of my desire of looking at digital has always been about how do we break down those doors between church, which people, if they think about it at all, and a lot of people don't think about it, it's just irrelevant to them now. But if they think about it, they think it's people in weird robes doing weird ceremonies, uh, speaking to an imaginary being. Um, and all these kind of negative perceptions that people have and my hope is that online gives a a, a lower impact chance for people to join you might sneak in and join a service online because you know you can leave again if you want whereas you know if you walk into a physical church someone might
0: stop you on the way out There's a sneak out halfway through, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some some real advantage, you've talked about that, but there's been, there's been a lot of debates, hasn't there, you know, about um, the digital world and about online participation, about um, including people or excluding people, the kind of whole conversation around dit- digital literacy and digital poverty and, you know, what what your kind of thoughts on that kind of argument and discussion?
1: Um, so, I mean... In some ways, I think it's never going to be possible to include everyone and in everything. But I think the more that we're aware of what the problems are, the easier it is to manage them. So I think if i have been talking about the digital divide five, six years ago, I would, would have been talking about people not having the devices and not having broadband access. I think for most people, they now have a device and they now have access of some kind but it's not necessarily equitable. Um, So there was a story um, the other day saying 1.9 million households in the UK still have no broadband at all. And tens of millions of households are coping with old devices, pay-as-you-go phones. And there's um, this woman who, her kids are trying to do homeschooling and she said she gets hundred pounds a week and instead of £10 a week on data she's having to spend £40 a week so her kids can go to school um, so there's a kind of real challenge going on there and it's how much can we do to help that um, and one of the things I loved seeing was the first week everyone kind of zoomed and YouTube their services and someone said hang on a lot of our church members are not online and by the next week someone was like here's how you can do a dial in telephone Service. Um, so sorry if I keep looking the wrong way, I've got two screens up um, and I keep looking away from my camera. Uh, it's a very bad habit. Um, but I I kind of wanted to give some information from uh, this set of slides. I've just bunged them in the chat and uh, link, but um, I use these in teaching a lot. Um, bear in mind that all the stats that I'm pulling are designed to help people understand about their, how to do their marketing efforts better. Um, so um, you know they're the people that can afford to collect this kind of data so just be aware of that but it's it's useful for general understanding so in the uk we have got 65 million internet users out of a population of 67 or nearly 68 million nearly all of them and 45 million of those social media users and about a third of those minutes are spent on social media so you can see where people are spending a lot of time And I suspect, though, that churches may have quite a large chunk of that small percentage who's not online and who we have to think about. Um, Mobile phone ownerships near Universal, mostly smartphones, Mm -hmm. increasing numbers with smart homes, Fitbits, all those kind of things. I've resisted the Fitbit. I know Stuart's got one. Um, So uh, virtual reality sector slowly growing. Um, I got given a headset at the last Premier Digital Awards, but I haven't had time to play with it yet um and then i was talking to someone the other day who said they've bought portal facebook um specifically for lockdown so they can talk to their parents it's really basic kind of um i think uh, to connect with family um what we we'll are find is whatsapp is the most app used messaging app in the uk okay uh, yeah there's
0: a... i'm sure we we had a we had an interesting time talking my mum through on zoom and i'm sure that's been mirrored uh, across lots of households across the UK uh, during this time. i best be careful because she might be listening tonight. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, is she going to be one of the people who has a 107% of mobile phones in the UK?
0: Yeah, she is, yeah. But, but, but to be fair, she has a laptop and a tablet as well, so I can't doubt
1: yeah. that. <laughs> but it did make me think, um, I wondered about what does that say about where we spend our money as a church? This is something I've only really thought about as we were talking preparing for this. Um, there was a talk at Greenbelt last year where someone stood up, and very heartfelt, saying they're really frustrated as a minister that they spend 90% of their time looking after the building and the graveyard, and then want to look after people. Can some of that money go towards digital to help people stay connected? Um, it's a challenge, isn't it, thinking about where we spend um, all that kind of money. And it's thinking about how we're connecting with people and what they're doing online. People are spending about five and a half hours a day on the internet. Um, about three and a, over three and a half hours of that is mobile. Um, so obviously, some people are really high on that, and some are lower. Um, and the average speed of internet connections has increased by 17%. We're all getting much more used to the idea that we've got a high high-speed high internet. Um, if you're looking at, The websites people visit most, Google, YouTube, Facebook, BBC, Amazon, Wikipedia, no huge surprises, I think. Um, And the top Google queries tend to be looking for news and weather and um, Facebook and Amazon. So people are, um, it's quite funny, people are still going through Google to find find, um, platforms. Um, And then sort of the last bit from that, uh, last couple of bits from uh, that report, is uh, they, they've started asking people about have they thought about things like screen time. Um, and there, there's a, people are increasingly worried about their screen time, although I'm more interested in the quality of what we do online, um, even for children. Um, and a lot of the research that has been done says is once you take out other aspects, such as, um, you know, class and uh, race and education level, uh, they have a much bigger impact um, than than screen time, um, and they say no, there's no evidence that technology is any more dangerous than eating potatoes, so um, it's fun. Um,
0: I have to confess I've, I, I've cut my screen time down now and uh, just limited particularly on my uh, smartphone to remind me when my screen time's up and now all I find myself doing is clicking the override button so I'm not sure but uh, problems with the app and it's, it's the problems more with me. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's when it helps, is not it? So um, for Lent uh, a couple of years ago one of my friends decided to not look at her phone until nine o'clock in the morning instead of it being the first thing she looked at. And she said it was a really interesting exercise and made her think about it I and mean, she's gone back uh, and I think that's, that's what I'd always push people to do is have a look at your habits and see if you feel better if you try doing rather than everyone saying you should only have two hours of screen time, try reducing your screen time, see if that's better or try reducing your social media time and increase something else. Um, and see what it is that you know makes any difference um i thought when well, i'm rewriting second edition of my raising children digital age at the moment um and one of the books i picked up was this guy that goes into schools and talks to kids and he said uh, they're so fed up with the online safety message um and they absolutely love the opportunity when someone says to them, what do you enjoy doing online and suddenly you get a whole new side um
0: so so talk about what we do, enjoy doing online, um, let's kind of make a shift to talking a little bit about discipleship and discipleship is both something that's kind of um, communal and, and I guess also um, individual and, and I guess in the past people have always thought of communal as being something that's kind of face-to-face and, and anything that's a, more in a technological is, uh, is individual and I guess also when we think of individual like that we also might think it kind of isolates us from from other people. Um, and I think there's a fear that going online is kind of um, destroying community. Um, so I wondered first of all how, how true is that? Um, and then wh- what we're going to hold on to? What is church going to look like digitally? Um, and in a sense, we all went into this kind of lockdown experience together. Um, mm-hmm but it's clear now we're not all going to come out of it together. We're all going to come out at different times. You know, some of us will have to remain um, away from others for a lot longer. So kind of how do we do the hybrid of online and offline? How can we use technology to bring everyone along with us together at the same time? How do we grow disciples whilst doing it digitally? Do you draw a distinction between us being the church and online, and and as we touched on before, being an online church?
1: yeah I think for me the best thing is always having a blend so it's quite interesting that two of my job titles one was a blended learning fellow and the other one was a technology enhanced learning fellow and neither of them were it's all about the technology it was all about what are we using this for why are we using it and then how can we use it well and so for me i pinched a billy graham quote a disciple is simply someone who believes in jesus and seeks to follow him in his or her daily life which sounds quite individualistic just on its own actually doesn't it um, and actually i quite like the idea that we can do a lot more discipleship together online and obviously for me the last couple of years and um, you know everyone's everyone's like oh i've been isolating for two three months i'm like i've been in and out of isolation for three years um at various points and um social media has been the thing that's kept me sane um, because social media is not about the technology it's about the people in that technology so if my, if i lose my phone it's not about losing the phone well although it's quite expensive tool to lose but it's that i've lost my connections with people i've lost my diary um i've lost my bible um i've got paper bibles but i haven't picked them up for months um and I think one of my favorite Bible verses is the message translation of Romans 12, 1 to 2. Uh, so here's what I want you to do. God's helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Um, and then that goes on saying don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit in without even thinking. And I think that's the important thing we can start to do. From a theological perspective, I'm not a trained theologian, but we've all got a sense of theology of what this technology can do. Um, And for me, the online is a real space. We engage with it in our bodies and I think there's a sense of being present. So I can be physically present, but mentally very absent. Or I can be, like now, the only thing I'm doing is engaging in this webinar.
0: So so let me just stop you there for a second and just feed in a question that Stephen's um, shared with me that's 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 come from somebody uh, participating. Netflix and other associated platforms um, have transformed the way we watch TV. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, churches could take note of this and see how they could transform the way uh, we, or some at least, do church?
1: Yeah, I think it's thinking about what have Netflix, Netflix, and those other platforms done differently. They've moved from synchronous viewing, haven't they, to asynchronous viewing. You can watch when you want, when, where you watch. Um, and the more churches that put content online, the easier that is to do. Some of that's got shorter. Uh, some of that has encouraged um, kind of um, personal input. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking more of somewhere like TikTok where it's a, a little bit more sl- sloppy. I used the word shonky earlier, Stuart said that's not a real word. Um, um, there's the sort of less professional type of content that's done, um, but it is looking at that holistically and it's going right back to the roots of thinking about what do we have church for? Church is for our coming together as a community, for our own personal discipleship, it's for glorifying God. Those are the three that come to my mind, I think fairly instantly. Um, And I think we can do all of that online, um, playing around with different platforms. And a lot of that is knowing, have you got someone in your congregation that particularly loves a, a way of doing things or says, I really love that thing I saw on Netflix the other week, is there something we can do like that? So
0: so in a sense it's still having that kind of personal connection with people um, to be able to achieve that. So what do you say then to people who would argue that uh, online space isn't a real space?
1: Um, Well I think people have said that for a long time, but... um, uh, And I think a lot of that's come from really early research which had a look at sort of where there was very little people had to work quite hard to make a connection I mean I certainly didn't have as much video content as you do now um, but I think if you look at the way things change what I really noticed as I started using online con, um, spaces was it changed the face-to-face conversation as well so if I turn up at church on a Sunday instead of the oh hi how's your week been it was like oh I saw you did so and so on Thursday And it just changed the conversation. And one of the things that I think really changed was it left, it leaves space for deeper conversations. And it's one of the things that I think is being shown actually in the lockdown, because people can't get away from each other. Um, They're they're forced into deeper conversations with each other. And I think that's the same with online, gives you a chance to, um, yeah, it gives you a chance to chat with each other in a different way. Sorry if I ever go off on it. I've got slight chemo fog every now and then, um, and <laughs> sometimes lose my thread
0: halfway through a sentence, which is why I've got lots of notes written in front of me. Um, I can do that without a treatment text, so please yeah. don't <laughs> apologize. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: it's really frustrating. I did it on TV once and just about managed to catch myself. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I think it's, I mean, churches have always worried that digital is going to destroy a community and I think it's very much about how you use it. At the moment, our choice is really only to have digital. But I think a lot of it, because churches are so physically and locally grounded, I think we've actually ended up probably with a more hyper-local. So where you use the digital to enhance the local. So if someone three streets away needs some shopping dropped off, it's really easy to use the mm. technology to do that. Um, I think I was on a radio show years ago and we ended up saying we need to know when is the right time to go around and have a cup of tea with someone and when's the time when actually you can use the technology for a quicker chat to keep things going. So it's very easy to flick someone a quick message online. Uh, I'm trying to think about the pastoral load as well on ministers. You know, in some respects it could create more work. But in other respects, if you can get more of the church involved, people can be aiding each other. We see it with our students. At work, is if you set up a group for the students. Quite often, all the questions that used to come by email, the students answer each other. And by the time the academic comes into the chat, um, we can deal with the stuff that we're supposed to deal with—the sort of bigger questions and the learning.
0: Um, Okay. Yeah i mean i know i haven't spoken to you over a number of years now that um you over the, the kind of past few months have really kind of appreciated that blend of online support and offline support and you know and and how that's worked for you
1: yeah yeah it's made such a difference um just being able to connect with people so um there's different communities that might belong to so i've got my online cancer communities i'm on chemotherapy i'm on steroids i'm wide awake at three o'clock in the morning someone else is almost guaranteed to be <laughs> guaranteed to be on steroids at three o'clock in the morning and um, so we can have a chat on facebook if we want to um we had things like i had um i had treatment just before christmas i couldn't go home uh you guys dropped around some food i had to miss new year's party you guys did a little um video from me from the party so I felt like I could still join in those things Um, and I know certainly while I was in New Zealand as the lockdown hit and I thought I might be stuck out there um, for months and months um, I ended up um, one friend I would ring when I woke up in the morning so it was nighttime in the UK and just it would just have and at the end of the call would be just have a day and that just kept my mental health kind of ticking ticking along so sometimes it's not all the big you know i think quite often when people think that they have to do online church they think they have to do kind of the equivalent of a blockbuster video um whereas actually quite a lot of it will be like smaller things that are happening in between the community and it's encouraging the community to talk to each other and use you know if you're in a If you have sermons, you use them to talk about how people use social media as part of it. Um so people actually thinking about it. One of the things that they say in research now is digital has become so everyday we don't even think about how we use it anymore, which gives the social media companies a lot of power. Um so we need to be questioning. Oh, it's just mine. My favourite quote, which I always like to give, um, Sonia Livingston says: "Even though face-to-face communication can be angry, negligent, resistant, deceitful, and inflexible, somehow it remains the ideal against which mediated communication is judged as flawed." So it's the idea that I'm not campaigning for it to be all digital. I want us to think about what the digital does well and what the face-to-face does well and how we can find a mix for that um yeah, if we're going back to churches is there a way you could have a little live stream going without too much effort from someone within the church i'm really aware that churches have not got massive resources in terms of time or money
0: um it's okay. thinking a bit more about discipleship you know this common phrase around being christian is involved in sort of three things faith or belief being part of the faith community and then what we do so what our habits or our practices are as uh as disciples and and so first of all just thinking can kind of about behaving and and talking a little bit about our our inner and outer habits or disciplines that are part of forming faith and chris rogers who is uh heads of a kind of we are making disciples uh, movement it talks about outer being the demonstration of jesus sharing our faith praying for the sick service to the poor meeting of needs generosity fighting injustice holy living so that kind of are like our outward uh, uh behaving and our inner is kind of like our bible study our prayer our, how we meditate on god worship sacrament fasting seeking forgiveness uh, reflection fellowship submission that kind of Thing. How can a, a digital environment help with those?
1: Sometimes it might provide new ways of the, doing things. Um, quite often it's new ways of old things, which is kind of where we started, wasn't it? Um, and a lot of digital actually amplify pre-existing culture, although it can shape it as well. Um, what it offers, and what you're prepared to expect, I guess might change with your theolo- theology. One of the big debates anytime we ever put it up on Big Bible, Um, Online was the concept of doing communion online. I have no idea where the URC uh, fits on here. Um, I grew up in a brethren church where it's very much a symbolic thing Um, and part of my argument is apparently in Australia radio stations have done bread and wine on the radio for years Um, so it feels a bit like that but if you believe in transubstantiation uh, you're never ever going to accept that you can do communion online.
0: I think um, it's fair to say that that's not a central part of URC theology, if there is a, <laughs> if there is a collective URC theology.
1: <laughs> it doesn't fit that. Um, so, um, yeah, so, it's, um, so that and tweeting in church are the two that always got things going. So, people thought that tweeting in church was disrespectful to other people, um, whereas for me, because I was very used to using Twitter it was a really useful note-taking thing, but of course it changed the dynamic of the conversation because I was moving it outside of the room and then I might get a response from someone else. Um, So instead of just listening to the preacher, I've got a potential other conversation going on as well, which is what we said about the chat on the the side. Um, But it has given new opportunities. So, um, sorry if I use a lot of them are quite anecdotal, um, but it is backed up by a lot of research. Um, YouVersion, uh, the free online Bible, is in multiple translations and streams huge amount of content, lots and lots of people download it. Um, over, the, over the lockdown, I've actually discovered the joy of doing Bible study with other people via version, which I've not done before. Uh, it kind of keeps you on track. Um, I've got a prayer app which reminds me of five people to pray for every day. Um, so there's sort of something quite powerful um, going on there um, and my sense is that online we're really just thinking about discipleship um, so what at Durham I described a digital disciple as someone who seeks to live out their biblically informed Christian faith online whether dipping their toes in or fully fully immersed in the increasingly mobile and interactive nature of the digital space um, so you can do your praying on the go. Um, um, there's questions about whether, is that taking over something else you would have done? Is that taking over quiet time? Um, but then you can also, in a less holy idea, I've used Pokemon Go for the last three years to get myself out of the house every day, because I have to get to a nearby Pokestop stop and catch Pokemon every day. So even if I feel rubbish, It makes me get out of the house Um, and I think it's important to think about um, how does it change us and our practices and also what does that look like to other people you know I said earlier lots of people are not even thinking about church the only Christian a lot of people will ever see is us in their social media spaces potentially face to face Um, so what do we show and that doesn't mean that I have to be, a, 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 I'm actually trying to challenge the kind of Instagram idea of everything be perfect all the time. Um, I posted yesterday, my mental health is really, really struggling at the moment. And then my medication is just about to be upped. And um, people said, thank you for being so authentic. Um, so I think vulnerability and humour are the two things that really get people to connect with you online. I think you have to be really careful with the vulnerability. You have to think about who, you're sharing that with. Um, I've been very pub- public about my cancer and my mental health. So um, yeah, that kind of goes. Um, and it's also thinking about the two way nature of all of this. So what I find quite interesting is the idea is that I have a prayer app so I can pray on my own. I have a Bible app so I can remember to read the Bible on my own if I want. These are just digital versions of what people have done for years anyway. Bible study was seen as a personal thing. And actually the app has now added that communal element back into it, which is more like what people used to do before. Um, And I think it's finding the right, right version of things. I think back to the question that came in about Netflix and quite often, you know, like when Facebook first came out, people tried to create a Christian version of Facebook and were like, hang on, why do we want a separate space? Mm. Um,
0: and so ju- just, I mean, just kind of building on that, we've just had a we had a question that uh, come been asked. So it's an appropriate time to ask it. Isn't there a danger there that churches that do not use online content will be seen as less than other churches?
1: That is a good question. But I think I've said for quite a long time. I think we have to ask ourselves: What do we miss out on by not participating online? Um, who are we not reaching? or are we creating a kind of space for ourselves that other people can't access by doing that on the other hand we can push against what the world is doing and i know some christian retreat centres are advertising themselves as kind of wi-fi free places that people can go and have a break from everything that's going on um, i think it is going to be a struggle for people who don't manage to do anything and um, sarah batts did her phd in uh, 2000 and 12 and we're saying a website was what most churches have managed to do but quite a lot of them having put it up someone left and we're still advertising easter from two years before um so um i think if you're gonna do it you need a system that kind of um means that someone can access everything um so i think there is there is there is a potential worry with that but i think everything is online now and it's certainly most people who are searching for a new church will go and have a look online. Um, church of England's invested a lot of money in its church near you. Um, I don't know if it only does C.V. churches or if you can put other churches in there um, to make that easier. Um, we,
0: we, we spent a bit of time kind of talking about the positive things about how it it, it alters our, the digital world alters our behaviour as Christians. Do you think it hinders it at all?
1: Um, Can do. Uh, You can end up being distracted and end up running out of time for things. Um, I know this morning I was really struggling and I looked up and I spent a whole hour just scrolling through stuff. Um, But I think that says more about my head at the moment. Um, So you might be missing out on times for prayer or quiet contemplation because you've just got in the habit of picking this up because it's so nearby. So I think thinking about that could be quite useful. Um, one interesting discussion we had at Durham was about um, how we see the Bible and there's a notion that if you have the Quran on your phone it has to be in the right place to, to give it its right reverence as a spiritual text whereas we tend to have oh I've got 10 different apps that so I've got the Bible on it and we just bung it somewhere in the middle of all the rest of it. Um, is that a good thing or not? Um, I like to think that God, while he's awesome, that makes him more relatable, so I like it. Um, there's big questions about phones themselves. I tried buying a fair phone um, while I was in Durham um, and spent a year trying to convince myself that having a phone in which all the components were fairly traded and in which the design was intended to be upgradable was worth the fact that the function was not what I was used to um, and I'm afraid after a year I gave up, um, which means I just have a whole guilt complex about the amount of Macs that I own. Um, so, um, but it's a real question and one that I've seen people where we've been talking talk about Black Lives Matter and um, you know things, someone, someone was saying, I don't know if you saw the Yorkshire Tea and the PG Tips both saying, you know, we don't support we're we're taking our time to think about what we're going to say about Black Lives Matter and someone said, let me just go and check what their policy is about, you know, fair trade. Um, But yeah, it's um, it's really easy to focus on the negatives, but my joy is in looking for the opportunities um, to do lists which take things out of my brain, prayer app that reminds me to pray, uh, gets me out walking, connects with people. And I feel like I can do quite a lot of practical good, even just through my phone, with things like food banks, um, social justice stuff. I'm trying to move beyond the
0: clicktivism. Um, we'll, we'll come in a moment, we'll come back to just thinking a little bit about belief because I think there's some important questions to ask about belief. But can we perhaps just ask a, a question from Richard here about how public is network church? Stream services accessed only by existing congregants are then not put up on a website, could be less public in the building perhaps?
1: Yeah, so are we saying sort of where there's an audio or video recording put up, but it's not publicly available?
0: Yeah, I I think that's the the gist of the question.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that gives accessibility to people who haven't managed to come. um, My brother's church in Bournemouth has live streamed for a long time, and they tend to have about 50 people on the live stream as well. It's about 200 odd people in the actual church um and quite a lot of them are parents looking after the kids um, or people who are ill and i think i guess people again have got to think about what you want because in a lot of respects the church is supposed to be an open building isn't it that people can come in, anyone can come in and sit and listen um and so you don't want too many sermons where there's lots of in jokes and things like that going on and there's the equivalent of that online uh, there's a little bit of overlap, of course, with kind of privacy um, and concerns about um, having kids' faces online or anything like that. Um, my brother's church uh, deals with that by having um, one whole block. It says if you sit in this block, you'll never appear on the video. Um, so it's really clear. Um, it's kind of opt-in, opt-out system.
0: I think there's some really good things for us to think about as we kind of, you know, get to the stage where we do think about moving out of. Uh... Uh, of a lockdown situation and when churches are about to meet and how we can meet together and um, a question that we've been, we've been asked is uh, what role does should a or, or the URC uh, as an, or another denomination having facilitated and enabling this kind of digital, it says this sort of thing, I think it's meaning kind of digital technology, will it require a structure or a culture change or should it be more about local initiatives where there's kind of more of a need is it more of kind of contextual uh, element
1: i think that contextual makes sense but i think it's quite hard probably to do from i suspect the areas which need the biggest help are probably the most deprived areas and so if you put all that pressure on the local area to make all the changes then that's going to be really hard to do so if there's more of a national sense to it and it kind of reminds me of um, Chris Kandier, when he's done his home home for good thing where he says only one family adopts the child, but the entire church agrees to support the family. And that has included the ch- uh, members of the church contributing towards a bigger mortgage for the house so they can have a space to take a child in. So I think we maybe need to think about it more like that is how can we as a kind of national body um, I think it's not forgetting about local initiatives, so asking people what they're already doing and doing well, so we can capitalise on that, but then seeing if we can share that, those examples.
0: So, so another question we've been asked, which is kind of really a follow-up to what you've just been saying there, is how do you encourage churches to embrace digital technology that may be resistant and want to continue doing things, the old traditional kind of way?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, because I think seeing a need for something is when you finally get it, um, I did, and and coronavirus has been a pretty big need that's pushed lots of resistant people into um, into it. it uh, there's um, I saw this week that apparently the Alpha course has never considered doing it online. Right. And they've pushed it online, and they've had three times as many people do it, and I've only had like two dropouts um, out of I don't know 1,500 people or something. So sometimes having a go at stuff is the best way of doing it. Um, I think what you uh, what what we've tended to talk about in educational settings is a community of practice. So finding other kind of buddies to do stuff, and one way you can do that um, is trying to still do it while it, things are not locked down. There's a, There's this thing called social media surgeries that I've quite often encouraged churches to do. They work really well physically. I think we can find a way to do them online as well. Which is, um, say you know how to set up a Facebook profile, but this person doesn't. They get paired with you and you show them how to do that. Mm -hmm. But there's something else you want to learn how to do, that person doesn't know, but someone else does. Um, So the surgery, you normally have people who say, I can help people with Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. There's a triage nurse at the front, who people come in and they block, block, block you in. But you could fairly easily do that online. Uh, it's been fascinating watching Zoom as people have got more comfortable, but you can hear people saying, oh, press that button at the bottom, press the three thingies. Uh, and, and I think part of it is being comfortable with the fact that it doesn't all have to be BBC polished level as well. Um, I
0: think as somebody who was using Zoom before, the most embarrassing thing is when you're halfway through your answer and you realise you're still muted and you think well, that's really the basics, isn't it? <laughs> um, as we th- we think a bit more about discipleship and, and we think a bit about belief, you know, um, I just want to explore a little bit about belief in an online environment. And I think one of the fears of some church leaders is, is about there's less control on what everybody's ideas are you know because because all of a sudden everybody's ideas become equal don't they um, and the internet you know is full of rubbish <laughs> um and if you're a church leader and you can't control the internet you know you've got to accept that people take different views so how would you foster uh belief online um and, and i guess the question comes to a point of saying more importantly how can you protect people online
1: yeah i mean part of it is that the idea life's not risk-free so going online it's never going to be risk-free either so you can't necessarily make online space any safer than offline spaces that doesn't mean it's a free-for-all um but as a real space it brings its own kind of pros and cons as from off- offline also some new ones um and i think it's quite interesting the idea that um I think we see it it with the BBC do it, don't they? They say we're doing impartiality. So we've got someone who really hates this and someone who really loves this, which is not the most nuanced conversation I've ever seen. Um, So it's actually, and people have got this sense that online everyone's ideas are equal. This isn't true at all. You have to fight for visibility online. So if I post stuff on my website, because my website has been live for 20 years, it's gonna rank higher than someone who's set up a website last week. If it's a .ac.uk site, it's going to rank a lot higher uh, than something else. Um, but I think one of my things is thinking about what does it say about you as a leader, if you're worried about total loss of control? Mm-hmm. Um, because if your job isn't encouraging discipleship mission, do you need to be open to pretty much any question that might come? It's scary, but, um, there's more than kind of the sound of your own voice that's at stake in this thing. And I think I'm seeing it as a teacher. When I'm there with a student, my job is not to do the learning for the students, but to set up the scaffolding that provides a safe and structured space that they can learn within. So it's trying to do that. You know, you've got limitations, time, space, resource, um, but you want people to have the best Christian life they can have. I want my students to learn the most that they can have. I want them to get the best grade that they can have. Yeah. Um, so how do we help people ask the right questions? How do we experiment with different shapes of service? I really loved, um, um, I was like six years ago, someone said to me, can you do me a 90 second video about the loaves and the fishes? He said, I don't want you to overthink it. Um, he said, I've got four different people from all around the country and i'm going to show those videos in my service and i'm expecting all four of you to say something completely different just to show how the story ties to different people um otherwise you end up hearing kind of the same Mm -hmm. stuff (laughs) um and it is knowing that the online space is very much shaped by what the offline space already looks like um i don't know how many of you've read the caroline Criado perez book um about uh, the, the world is built as default white middle class and male, um, so the infrastructure is shaped in a certain way it's presented as just facts and she was saying things like when um, phones with the walking distance were put in it was done to the average man stride um, so there was no thought about uh, differences I think a lot of that nuance is starting to
0: come in there yeah um, but it requires people to ask questions um, yeah. so, I, I, so I think that kind of moves on it to, to that sense of kind of belonging because if there's one thing we know about online communication and, and I think I can from a personal point of view I've seen this more over the last week in the whole debate around um, the you know the not, you know the conversation around black lives matter is that the online communication can at times bring out the worst in people as well as bringing out the best in people so there's something important here about learning to, how to be community online in ways that could actually build people up and not tear them down um what would you want to say to leaders about how we foster that and perhaps you know, even how we model it
1: yeah and it's trying to um and part of that may be who you are so uh, <laughs> we always say historians are trained to sit on the fence with authority so we can always see both sides of an argument quite easily anyway and um, so it's been fascinating watching some of the theological debates some of the debates about whether um the physicality of church and how upset people are that the buildings are shut um and I think quite often the internet does bring out the worst in people. It's public, it's global. You can respond very quickly so that idiots do come out. Um, but I've had a largely positive experience. Sometimes I want to think about what am I doing that makes it <laughs> such a positive experience, but I feel like I control a lot of what I do online. Um, I choose who I connect with. I choose what kind of content I share. Uh, I choose what time I look at my phone. Um, I refuse to give in to that while you sent a message five minutes ago, so now I have to reply. There was a piece on Mashable this week saying people are really upset when they see you post something on social media but you haven't replied to a text and they assume that means you hate them. Um, So some of it's trying to change people's expectations of uh, what what that means and sometimes you might not speak out on some really controversial issues. Um, But I think a lot of it is about kind of role modelling I'm trying to see how do you interact with grace, how do you look at someone and say well I wouldn't have thought that but that's really interesting, where do you come from to have that kind of perspective? Um, But then I'm quite gentle in what I do and I've been fascinated watching in my secondary cancer group people who are much closer you know they've already run through pretty much all their treatment options they are super angry and they're quite virulent online. and I'm like, maybe maybe I'll end up more like that once I feel like I'm in that position. Um, but you know, there's a real chance to do things there and to do things a little bit differently. One of the stories I loved from Big Bible um was about um at a church school, so obviously lots of C of E churches are right next to schools, aren't they? And there was a whole load of parents who were st- stood out in the rain and the church next door invited people in for tea and biscuits. Um, no evangelical agenda there at all, just it's raining, coming out of tea and biscuits. Mm. And this started happening on a frequent basis. Um, and now over half of that group are regular attenders at the church, and the church now has a whole load of children that go. Um, but she said if we tried to do that as an evangelical thing, that wouldn't have worked. But um, the way it worked really well was because that a Facebook group was created alongside that and so people are talking about their everyday lives and looking forward to going to the church building.
0: And and I guess being able to connect in those in-between times as well.
1: Yeah, really, really powerful, I think. I, I mean, I found it quite interesting um, over the lockdown. There's a sense of belonging and I know some people are wondering what they're gonna do when we go back to a more normal church. So I've rejoined my Durham house group. I live miles away
0: from Durham now, but I can join them on Zoom and kind of pick it up on that and you know this bit's not too personal but you literally spent uh, you know I'm trapped in a foreign country at the beginning of a whole lockdown you know if if you um you're connected with Bex online you will have seen this whole kind of debate about how you get home from new zealand um uh, when really you should be isolating from other people and um, you need to come back to this country um how important is how online communication been for you through this particularly difficult time?
1: Oh, absolutely key. I mean, I, got, I was interviewed by a business journal a couple of years ago and I said I don't even know how I would have got through cancer at the beginning without Netflix and Facebook. And I think New Zealand was the same. Um, so I was able to, um, connect with the people that was, so I'm at a conference, Anglican conference Centre. supposed to have 40 people sleeping there and I'm rattling around on my own so I'm able to WhatsApp the people that live there, um, that were supposed to work there but were, you know, living nearby, able to chat with friends and family. Uh, The time difference was a challenge but I use this software called um, Acuity and it sets up appointments and it works out the time difference. never used house party or zoom before i was in new zealand so (laughs) i got those Um, and it's that kind of in the middle of the night um help um uh, and some of that is based on an understanding so the friend that i was talking to every day we had a deal that if i was really struggling i could call the phone at any time so it turns all the other sounds off apart from the ringer um so saying if you have a really bad time wake me up that's fine um but yeah, it was a really kind of powerful mental support, but also did practical stuff. So my MOT, we got all excited about the fact that I was going to get six extra months on the MOT, but it expired the day before we had to have them. <laughs> so um, so yeah, uh, he let himself into my house, got my car MOT, so by the time I came back, I could drive to the hospital and have my appointments, which was the rush to come back. Um, and I've managed all of my insurance uh, and everything and all my medical stuff really has gone online as well um, and I've been I haven't found it too much trouble working from home or getting my food delivered because that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years um, just competing with everyone else now um, <laughs> for slots
0: um, and I think we, we are talking about this now because we are in, you know, this difficult time. And as we, we mentioned before, really, the kind of necessity to think about the digital world has been thrust upon us because we're um, in such a difficult uh, experience at the moment. Um, but, it, you know, I'm kind of talking to leaders who are wondering what we might do now to help people uh, make the most spiritually from this kind of time of isolation, but also whether things need to go back to normal. And could we develop positive digital practices, do you think, during this time?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is how can we live our lives together, the good and the difficult parts of it, with that mix of online and offline. Um, I, think, I think people have found that they can talk to each other more. So one of my dissertation students looked at disinhibition online, so the idea that there's a screen between you and someone else, so you don't really think so much about the person at the end, other end it's often been blamed for um, bullying but actually it also helps if people want to ask questions about faith because there's a lower risk situation to be able to do that Um, so I think there is a space to develop much deeper relationships online more honest more supportive uh, more challenging Um, part of that might be rethinking what the role of the minister is um and not necessarily putting all the pressure on the minister and thinking actually more about how the community um, does things together um, and one of my favorite challenges i used to run workshops called social media for the scared and uh, not social media for the sacred which are some people and i would say to people if we think about the fruits of the spirit what do those look like online what does it mean to be kind online what does it mean to be gentle What does it mean to be joyful without being, you know, the sort of grinning, uh, uh, completely strange person? Um, What does it mean to be patient and self-controlled in an environment where people are having a go at each other and it feels feels very distant? Can we show how we can have more nuanced conversations? Uh, Can we find a way, now we realise maybe how many people are getting involved online, there's a real challenge because there's some people saying hang on the building's been a problem for years and I've got more access to content than I've ever had, this is more church than I've done for decades and there's other people saying uh, I've got different accessibility needs and it doesn't work Uh, so part of it might be knowing what your congregation particularly needs um, and working around that and i think it's it's thinking about how do we model good ways of doing these things how do we model not being completely exhausted by zoom fatigue by not feeling that we have to do absolutely everything um can we find a better way of doing things when i was out in new zealand um vaughan park they wanted um him to do some um the chaplain on site to do some online content and we were talking about it and we said what does Vaughan Park stand for? It's a place where people come to learn, to relax, to enjoy the beauty of New Zealand beach, um, so it's supposed to be a low pressure space for reflection and thinking, so therefore you want to produce content that reflects that, so he set up an Instagram account and he does short Instagram you know, messages of kind of three, four minutes and beautiful pictures, and so it's a kind of low pressure thing against the tidal wave of information mm. that was coming so it's very much thinking about what your church stands for and pushing and um, pushing that and i think i just i want to push people to have a go at things and the more that there's a space for sharing what someone's doing you can go. someone's doing that that's work for their church might it work for your church so and and
0: to, to what would you want to say to the church is about having a go at something new or different
1: i um, i think i think you know try it try it um there's, there's the kind of nike slogan <laughs> uh, just do it um to, try and find time to experiment um maybe pick a low risk thing um don't worry if it goes a bit wrong potentially you know you're not going straight onto the bbc and doing a a big thing. Um, I think people really like it when you kind of say, "Do you know what? We're having a bit of an experiment with this. Let's see if this works or this doesn't work." Students kind of do the same. Um, but I think I want, uh, and I want, I want people to look at how we can use online for more of a twenty-four-seven engagement. Um, so how do we get churches to be the place where we develop our discipleship? And then when we go out online we may be doing some of our discipleship online but we're we're kind of witnesses um so i think
0: it's i think it's really interesting at this this moment in time um and i know we were talking that the bbc have done research recently that said that people are connecting more with friends and family at this time than they ever have done before and um and the level of those conversations are going much deeper um uh, and especially interesting when we combine that with some, you know, I think about five years old now, research done by the Evangelical Alliance that said that Christians um, say that the biggest factor about them coming to faith was not the minister, the church leader, but was a, was a friend. And do you think that the digital environment helps us to join those two pieces of research together, really, for deeper conversation with the, the introduction of faith?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, um, I'm always a bit wary about going into a space with the intention to evangelise. I think most of us, um, or most of your church members, are living online as part of their lives. So how do we kind of capture that? I've had people say to me, the way you've responded to cancer treatment, that's kind of interesting, and makes me think there may be something there, Um, which at times has felt like a pressure to look, kind of happy and (laughs) like I'm coping with it all but actually it's I think it's the honesty of it that gets there Um, and I love the fact that um, the other week when I was really struggling and I said someone I don't want to disappear down the whirlpool and someone said well if you go down the whirlpool Jesus is gonna come down there anyway and that kept me going for that day so it's that kind of ongoing conversation I still think it's important so yesterday I went out for a socially distanced walk with someone because the GP said, I think that will help, Um, you might be high risk, but you should also, there's something about face-to-face that has its own value, but it's understanding what the digital can do and can do well and particularly for the intervening time and I think there's some churches who are starting to say things like uh, house groups, house groups have all been done as physical places, actually can we start making some of the house groups into online only, so that there's some people who never get home from work on time. Um, Can we do church at different? I find ten o'clock on a Sunday morning or even half ten. Pretty challenging most of the time. So actually it's not about replacing everything with digital, it's about using the right tool for the job, it's about experimenting, it's about talking to each other um, about what others are doing that we could maybe doing Um, and need to ask ourselves what our purpose as disciples and as church are on the earth and then find the right tools that help us do that sometimes that's going to be in person sometimes it's going to be on paper sometimes it's going to be digitally sometimes we're going to be trying to influence policy sometimes it's going to be something different Um, so at at a basic would it can we have someone with a little camera set up at the back of church that live streams for those who've not managed to go Um, can we move some house groups to be fully digital or make sure that people can access it digitally if they need to. Um, I, I, although I do think there's going to be an interesting question about who the members of your church are, when people who geographically have joined you for six months and suddenly you're like, hey, you don't live near us, you can't join us anymore, um, which is a whole whole new webinar on its own, I think.
0: We'll perhaps schedule that one for next month then. Yeah. Max thanks, thanks uh, very much for your time uh, for sharing with us your expertise is there anything you'd just like to say before we go? Uh, you
1: think? Thank you everyone for input I haven't managed to see any of the chats but I'm assuming if there was questions they kind of came my way there's always so much that we can think about with this but I think it always comes back to me about it's not particularly about the digital it's about what we're trying to do and how the digital lets us do that on the move in a kind of speedier way. We can't go through six hundred church committees for every decision. Um, and in fact, if you're going to let someone in your church maybe do the social media, then just have an agreement about the type of content that goes out and which ones need to be flagged up for a, for another chat.
0: If you would like to uh, relive this uh, this webinar experience, if there's things you want to go back and listen to again. Um, This is a a plug for our Facebook page, if you go there and and search out the Mersey Synod Facebook page then a recording of this webinar will be put up there and also on the Mersey Synod YouTube channel. You see we are trying to embrace uh, what we're talking about ourselves and possibly even on our old school website uh, we might have this available but I suggest the first place is to to head over to the Mersey Synod Facebook page uh, and over the next day or so Um, Stephen uh, Mitchell our glamorous assistant for tonight who's been helping us we'll uh, we'll have that up on there uh, for you to be able to watch it later today thank you to your participation but thank you mainly to to Bex for uh, sharing the time with us tonight and uh, we'll let her get back to completing her articles for the church times or um, at least having a sleep anyway so uh, thanks very much uh, for the time you shared with us tonight thank
1: you everyone
0: Thanks now. Bye-bye. Good night.